Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Zhu Tianlu. Coming up in this edition. Gaza has seen the most intense day of fighting in weeks as Israeli troops operate in the heart of Khan Yunis in the southern part of the Strip. Flooding and landslides in Tanzania have claimed 65 lives. And healthcare workers across Italy have walked off the job in protest over the government's proposed new budget. Starting in the Middle East. The Israeli military says its forces have carried out the most intensive day of fighting in Gaza. Residents and journalists on the ground say the intense Israeli airstrikes in the south included areas where Israel had told people to seek shelter. The new wave of attacks came amid calls by Israel's closest ally, the United States, which said the Israeli offensive in the south should not repeat the massive civilian toll it has had in the north. Isabel Debris tells us more. We actually talked to Major General Yaron Finkelman. He's a general, you know, with the Israeli military. He was saying that was the most intense day of ground fighting since the beginning of the war, which is hard to believe just given how intense the fighting that we've seen over the past two months has been. But that really squares with what we've seen also from civilians that are trapped in Nasser Hospital in Khan Yunis. They're staying there. They've sought refuge. And they tell us that there are scenes of terror and panic playing out as they hear tanks, artillery, gunfire, airstrikes, all just a few minutes from the hospital and getting closer. And so what we're seeing is these are exactly the same scenes basically that have played out already in northern Gaza because of Israel's invasion. And now we're seeing them replicated in the south. The same people that fled the north to the south are now having to flee Han Yunis again further south. And humanitarian workers are saying that there is a patchwork of smaller and smaller places for civilians in Gaza to flee. And in these places, there's not enough food, there's not running water, there's really, really crowded conditions. And already the UN has said that diseases are spreading. So that's in Gaza. And on the Israeli side, what we've seen is a tense barrage of Hamas rockets fired at southern and central Israel. Those set out air raid sirens across the country. Also, a rocket slammed into a house in Ashkelon, the southern city, wounded two women. And so this has been an intense escalation of Hamas rockets on Israel since the ceasefire between Israel and Hamas broke down last Friday. We have not heard any update on ceasefire talks. And actually, I just called one of the negotiators from Qatar, which is the main country mediating between Israel and Hamas, and he told me there is a complete and utter stalemate. What we saw over the weekend was that Israel called its negotiators back home and that Hamas said, look, it's not going to release any more. The leader, the emir of Qatar, Sheikh Tamim, actually gave a speech in which he accused Israel of committing acts of genocide. He said, and I quote, that Israel cannot, you know, continue sort of self-defense while committing crimes of genocide. And so this is a pretty intense escalation of rhetoric from somebody mediating between the parties. That was Isabel Debris in Jerusalem. More on the Israel-Palestine conflict. Israel says it is being more precise as it widens its offensive into southern Gaza, but Palestinians say there are no areas where they feel safe. Meanwhile, there has been rising demands from families of hostages as Israel presses on with offensives in Gaza. Sarah Coates has more in Tel Aviv. The IDF put out a renewed evacuation order for these residents inside Khan Yunus. It used drones to drop flyers on these people, people's homes, telling them to move further south down to Rafa. 
also posting on X that people shouldn't be using the Salah al-Din Road, which is the highway that goes from the north to the south, saying that the fighting there is too intense. He said there's no possibility right now to bring everyone home, and that caused absolute anger in that room. These people say that the government needs to do more. It needs to leave no stone unturned and bring these people home no matter what the cost. We do need to remember that there are still 137 people being held inside the Gaza Strip. There's been absolutely no information on their welfare, their whereabouts, and they haven't even been given a visit by the Red Cross. So now what we can expect is uh, these people going further. That's what they said they'll do. They said that they'll go to an international body. They didn't specify exactly which one to try and get help to bring their loved ones home. That was Sarah Coates reporting. Staying in the Middle East, 63 countries have joined a pledge to cut cooling-related emissions at the United Nations Climate Conference in Dubai. Tuesday's talks also focused on the second draft agreement of the conference and on fossil fuels. Rahika Bajic has details. Tuesday at COP28 in Dubai revolved around the themes of energy and industry, just transition and indigenous people. We saw about 60 countries coming together and signing uh, the global cooling pledge in which they say they will reduce their cooling emissions, especially when compared to the levels emitted in 2022. Under the pledge, the countries say they will reduce their cooling-related emissions by at least 68% by 2050 compared to 2022 levels. Environmentalists say it's a tough task given that climate change means hotter temperatures and hence an increased need for cooling systems. With installed cooling capacity set to triple by 2050, cooling emissions are expected to surge between 4.4 billion and 6.1 billion metric tons of carbon dioxide equivalent by 2050. Another announcement came uh, from a high-level roundtable on hydrogen, where 39 countries have endorsed the Hydrogen Declaration of Intent to pursue mutual recognition of hydrogen certification schemes. Another development was the UAE joining the Powering Past Coal Alliance, the coalition of national and sub-national governments, uh, businesses and organizations who are working together to advance the transition from unabated coal power generation to clean energy. But much of the conversation centered around uh, the second draft of what could be the COP28 agreement and the language that will be used around fossil fuels. The first option in the draft text was listed as an orderly and just phase out of fossil fuels. The second called for accelerating efforts towards phasing out of unabated fossil fuels. However, two groups of countries are likely to be opposed to this. The developing world, which still needs cheaper fossil fuels uh, to make sure that their economies and their people progress, and also countries like the UAE itself, the oil producers of the world uh, whose economies and fortunes depend on how much oil they're able to drill and produce and sell year after year. Environmentalists say COP28 will be remembered by the position the agreement finally takes on the phasing out of fossil fuels. That was Rahika Bajaj in Dubai. In Africa, the death toll from flooding and landslides in Tanzania has risen to 65, with 115 more people injured after torrential rains hit the northern regions of the country. Daniel Kijo has the latest. What started as seasonal rains turned into a deadly force of nature. In just 24 hours, heavy floods and mudslides brought the Manyara region to its knees. 
killing dozens and injuring many more. Andre saw his neighbors and six family members swallowed by mudslide from Mount Hanang. Big rocks and logs mixed with mud came crashing down at a very high speed, destroying homes with people still in them, killing them with their livestock and all. Those are the horrors we witnessed. El Nino rains have caused flooding in Tanzania and other parts of East Africa, affecting tens of thousands of people each year. Government search and rescue teams are busy looking for people and repairing infrastructure. I realized that once the injured started looking around, they discovered they're still missing family members. We believe there could still be more people who lost their lives. We shall issue another report soon. Manyara's regional commissioner says the floods and landslides have affected 1,150 households or 5,600 people, with 750 acres of farmland destroyed. For Nat Makoi, has a business at the center of Katish bus station, an area severely hit. He says it would take him three months for his business to return back to normal. I did a quick assessment and I can say I have lost about $1,500 in damages and that number will probably go up. The government has set up special camps in three schools for those who lost their homes. They will receive food, water and medical services if needed. This used to be a street with homes on both sides before mudslides ripped through the area. Several people died in their homes on this very spot. As the military continue to look for bodies behind me, it's clear that the deal is not over yet. The days to come will be of rebuilding, not just infrastructure, but broken hearts as well. That was Daniel Kijo on the devastating floods in Tanzania. In Europe, healthcare workers across Italy have walked off the job in protest over the government's proposed budget for next year. The budget, which is currently working its way through Parliament, includes pension cuts for some medical professionals. Giles Gibson has more from Rome. These doctors and nurses have come out on a rainy day here in the Italian capital with a list of demands for the government. Now, top of that list is for the government to reverse its planned pension cuts that are part of its 2024 budget. The government says that it is working with these trade unions to try to modify its plans around pensions. But these doctors and nurses are saying that there needs to be systemic change to the Italian National Health Service. Everyone is sensitive about this project, but it is not something that can be solved by one politician or a single person. You need political will and the will to guarantee that public services get what they need and not push people into the private sector because the state can't give guarantees. We've come from all over Italy, young and not so young, because we still care about our job, which we're passionate about, but they have to give us the conditions in which we can do it well. Of course, while doctors and nurses are out here on strike, they're not able to treat their patients. Essential services such as emergency rooms in hospitals are being maintained during this 24-hour strike, but non-essential services such as pre-booked scans and tests are going to be affected. The National Health Service here in Italy is also facing some longer-term challenges, especially after coming under immense strain during the coronavirus pandemic. 
the trade unions are saying that about a quarter of the total staff of the health service are set to retire by 2025 and the government is trying to plug that gap by hiring more staff from abroad but they're facing very stiff competition from countries such as Germany and the UK where pay levels are higher. So if staff come under increasing pressure and if they face potentially pay cuts or pension cuts or both, then we could see more strikes like this in the coming months and the coming years. That's Charles Gibson on Italy's healthcare workers' strike. Finally, in Asia, Chinese President Xi Jinping is expected to meet European Council President Charles Michel and European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen during the latest China-EU summit to be held in Beijing on Thursday. The 24th China-EU summit will be the first in-person meeting between the two sides in four years. Chinese Premier Li Qiang will jointly chair the summit with the two EU leaders. Zhen Chunying tells us more about what to expect from the upcoming summit. The market access issues are likely to be high on the agenda. Uh, We know that Beijing has complained many times of what it sees as unfair trade practices, uh, criticizing the EU's uh, probe into subsidies received by Chinese electric vehicles exporters. And the EU's uh, planned carbon border adjustment mechanism as well, which began a trial phase in October and could uh, possibly by 2026 bring substantial new tariffs for Chinese exporters of carbon-intensive products. And according to a statement by the EU delegation to China, the 27-member bloc is expected to uh, emphasize the need for support of what it terms uh, the multilateral rules-based international order and reaffirm uh, its de-risking and economic security stance. And according to some of the political and diplomatic uh, observers in China that I've spoken to, what's needed is for the two sides to explore in-depth issues like how they can more effectively manage differences and how to turn some of the competitive factors into a driving force for cooperation. So the summit is widely believed to be uh, focused on how China and the EU can forge a consensus on cooperation and bring about stabilization and forward movement in diplomatic relations, which is uh, in line with the benefits of people in uh, in both parts. We know that the trade between China and the EU has grown in recent years uh, rapidly, despite talks of decoupling for from or de-risking economic links with China. Uh, Official statistics show that the trade between China and the EU surpassed 840 billion U.S. dollars in 2022, and that is a 2.4 percent increase over the previous year and a more than nine-fold increase compared to two decades ago. So China and EU are major trading partners for each other uh, with rapid growth in trade of uh, lithium batteries, electric vehicles, photovoltaic modules, and other green products. And Eurostat data also show the value of EU uh, imports from China nearly doubled between 2018 and 2022. And during the first half of 2023, China remained the leading supplier of goods to the EU. Uh, That's according to an analysis by the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. And we have also witnessed a record increase when it comes to the investment, uh, both uh, from EU to China and uh, from China to EU. And with both China and Europe sharing consensus on tackling climate change, there has also been a rapid expansion in the presence of Chinese-made electric vehicles in the European market. Uh, The three of the top-selling electric car models in Europe in 2022 were all 
made in China, believe it or not. Um, so we're expected to see more uh, common grounds when it comes to uh, the cooperation between the two parts. That was Zhen Chuanying reporting. Recapping today's headlines. Gaza has seen the most intense day of fighting in weeks as Israeli troops operate in the heart of Kanyunis in the southern part of the Strip. Flooding and landslides in Tanzania have claimed 65 lives. And healthcare workers across Italy have walked off the job in protest over the government's proposed new budget. That's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Zhu Tianlu. Thank you for listening.